0: Welcome to the Food Lens Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Smart, New England food writer and founder of The Not Just Company.
1: And I'm your host, Molly Ford, co-founder of The Food Lens, your online resource for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston. On each episode of our podcast, we chat with restaurant industry insiders, digging into business, passion projects, and food trends to see what's shaping the New England restaurant scene. On today's episode, Samantha Cantor and Nicholas Escoto are coming on the show to talk about weed. Yeah, that's right. You heard me. Marijuana. They'll tell us about the highs and lows of starting their cannabis dinner series, Dinner at Mary's. Hi, Molly. Hey, Catherine. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's been a minute. We haven't hung out in a while. I know. I'm excited to be in studio. And
0: I have to say, I'm really excited to talk to Samantha Canner and Nicholas Escoto today
1: about uh, weed and food. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I want to hear everything about how they're doing it. Are they baking? Are they cooking? Are they infusing? Are they baking? (laughs) 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 Sorry, I'm five years old. No, I'm super
0: interested. And I mean, I'm probably the only um, millennial person who still gets physical newspapers. But every morning when I open up the Boston Globe or the Wall Street Journal, I feel like I'm reading about the cannabis industry and how it's becoming more mainstream.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm excited to hear from Sam now that weed is legal recreationally in Massachusetts. I'm interested to hear about is it legal with food and drink and how does that all work?
0: It is really confusing. Sam has actually been talking a lot to the Cannabis Control Commission or the CCC, and they're in charge of all the regulation around it. So we'll talk about the legality and then, of course, all the fun parts about uh, infusing marijuana into their dinners.
1: Yeah, I want to hear about the fun part, so let's do it. (laughs) Hey, guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We're excited to talk all things cannabis. Sam, do you think it's more of an uphill battle pursuing Dinner at Mary's in a state like Massachusetts as opposed to states like Colorado or California?
2: Um, I hope not (laughs) because it's been so challenging so far. I think the CCC is trying to do things right and they're looking at California and Colorado and some of the things and some of the mistakes that they may have made and trying to make it accessible. Like one of the CCC meetings I went to, they were talking about how the event permits in Colorado were really expensive and really limiting on locations and that no one was applying for them because they just didn't make sense and that they don't want that to happen here. It is frustrating that we're two and a half years after, you know, recreational um, legalizing and... I don't think we've made as much progress as we should have. I mean, especially social consumption has been pushed off more times than I can count. And the pilot program that they've been talking about is supposed to be happening. And then events are pushed off to fall,
0: quote unquote. So you just mentioned a pilot program. Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: The pilot program is, there's not a ton of information on it. Um, So there's only so much we can do. But basically, it's going to be two years of testing social consumption. So there are coming, there are some draft regulations, but it's like 20 pages of regulations to allow social consumption in certain respects and to study and get feedback on it, and then they will put out the actual legal regulations moving forward. Um, so I think it's a great idea, but it's also holding certain people back for two years. and it'll be interesting to see who really gets to participate. Um, as far as legality goes, Again, we're talking about a recreational illegal drug, but the FDA does not have cannabis on their list of approved food additives, which means anywhere in the country, if you're adding it to food, technically that food is adulterated. Cannabis and food, when they're combined, do not change, but they haven't proven that through studies yet is essentially what it comes down to. So I do believe it will be added to the federal list of approved food additives. It's not yet. Um, there's also legislation that's potentially happening that will separate the federal regulations from the state regulations. So the state can decide that you can do this, which is in the works. But again, no idea on what that timeline looks like.
0: And But wait, so theoretically, obviously, I know like nationally, this is still illegal. But theoretically, what you're doing is not illegal, right? Because you're gifting it's, the marijuana. There's and it's a gray area. And, okay. There's a
2: gray area involved. And that's that's the issue because it's not like, – we're, we're talking about a recreationally legal drug. Right. But we're talking about – something that they haven't studied on how it affects food when you add it to it so i mean there's definitely the transactional part so Mm -hmm. i mean we still can't bank the same way like anything with cannabis there's there's credit card processing issues um because a lot of that's federal so people ask like is do you guys have a distribution license and there isn't one that exists for
0: us currently so
2: we're not a dispensary we're not going to be a dispensary right um so gifting is is what makes sense for us from a legal standpoint so it's very like waiting yeah. For things to catch up, when we're doing things as legally and as safely as possible, which I think is really what it comes down to. Is they're worried about public safety. They're also worried about making money.
0: Let's be real, Sam. I'm curious about um, like the business community too. Have you? Because it sounds like you're pretty engaged in everything that's happening, and at least keeping abreast of what's moving and not moving. There's the obviously the policy side of it. Like, what about the business community? Do you feel like there's push there? Or? Um, I mean, there is. There's. I mean. There's a bit of a challenge that
2: some people are just kind of money hungry in the business community and want to get involved in cannabis because it looks like the next big thing. But I mean, there's there's a decent amount of crossover. I mean, we did a panel at, at Foley and & Hogue and it was a very business focused cannabis conference. I mean, it's you're talking to a, a, a room full of suits about cannabis, which I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you know, like I'm <laughs> moderating a panel on branding and, you know, cannabis companies um at a law firm in the seaboard
1: yeah that's why i was so intrigued when i came across dinner at mary's you know i attended the 420 event and it looked so cool i mean i grew up in california so you know, I feel like us Californians have always been in tune with this mm-hmm. stuff, well before any of this a legalization bit of a
0: different vibe than the puritanical folks. Yeah. yes Boston's a Boston. little different.
1: <laughs> Massachusetts is very different. Um, so I was really intrigued going into it, and I mean, this event—I know that they always vary, but the 420 event was. More of a mix and mingle, past appetizers and food stations. And it was a really fun adventure for me. I mean, it was like a full experiment because, yes, I've dabbled in marijuana, you know, smoking, eating edibles, but I wouldn't say I'm a pro. So I loved how you guys, you know, informed us about dosage and it just felt really, it felt really comfortable and the DJ was great. So it was obviously a lot of fun. (laughs) But will you guys tell us a little bit about your most recent event? Because I didn't get to go and it looked really cool on social media.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, our most recent event was definitely a different format. So what you're saying, we do a lot of mix and mingle because we like the casual aspect and I think it makes a lot of sense for people that don't have a ton of experience. They can come in, they can leave when they want, that type of thing. Um, But we were getting some requests for seated dinners, and the last one was essentially set up as a wine pairing, but with cannabis. So we had a cannabis sommelier. He's the only certified uh, sommelier on the East Coast. He goes by the Buddha Somme and um, he paired each of our five courses with a different strain that you're actually smoking. Um, so we're talking about terpenes, so we're talking about flavor profiles the same way you would with wine, but also where you're smelling it, how you're smelling it, um, where it's coming from, soil content, things like that, which are all really similar to kind of a wine pairing experience.
1: That's so interesting. I mean, are you, are you telling people how much to smoke? before each course or do you, you know, leave it up to them? Um, I would say it's
3: more up to them, but it is more of actually how she was just explaining it, how a wine would be. You take the nug, you like hold it in your hand, you look at it, see how it smells, like put it up to your nose, just how you would do before you actually break a little bit up.
2: And the difference between smoking and edibles is edibles are going to hit you later. So we're much more specific in our edible events on what makes sense dosage wise, starting low and slow uh, with milligrams because it's you're not going to know right away whereas smoking you are going to feel right away
0: that's really interesting and i'm that is so much more like a wine dinner like you were saying because it really is like on the side as opposed to being a part of the cooking and i'm I'm curious uh nick how do you how did you come well, up with those more
3: pairings? of a talking to the actual cannabis song like hey this dish we're using a little bit of citrus in here, something spicy, something earthy. Specifically for the uh, dessert course, we had our peach cobbler, and then he had paired it with this, like, chocolate strain, so you got, like, a little bit of earthier notes and a little sweet notes to it, too, and complemented that really well. Then we had a seafood dish um, with lobster, and I used, like, a lemon beurre blanc in there, and that was also paired with a lemon strain, so you're getting that lemonine terpene in there, and then you're experience in the food, a little bit of smoke, so it's kind of goes hand in hand. Well, it can.
0: Can you explain what terpene is, actually, for people who might be unfamiliar, and by people I mean myself?
3: (laughs) Terpenes are usually like the actual essence of the plant. It does not have any psychoactive effects to it, and they freeze-dry that plant and extract that smell and taste from it, and that's where you're getting these nice terpenes from.
1: Okay. And so when you're cooking, are you using... Like, are you making a butter or are you how are you approaching it? Because there's different Uh, ways, right?
3: As far as like the actual infusion, I'm trying to cover everything like using hash. So like I will do a butter on the spot, infuse on the spot with decarb flour. I'll also use butter that I made previously. I'll use oil that I made previously. Just kind of go all over the place.
1: Wow. Guys, I have some exciting news for you. Our season one sponsor, Winester, is giving away a private at-home wine experience in December. The VP of Wine, who is also a certified sommelier, will come to your house with a bunch of wine, of course, to lead your group through a tasting. These experiences are generally around two hours for up to 12 people and is valued at around $700. To enter the giveaway, all you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this episode by leaving a comment on the Food Lens Instagram post. And if you win, feel free to invite me so I can taste some wine with you and your friends.
0: And because traditionally, and I sound very grandmother and and unknowing here, um, but traditionally the best, you know, the way to receive the THC is to infuse it in a fat. Is that correct? And so then when you're talking about using, you know, root to tip the whole plant, a lot of that is what for like flavor and smell and essence. And that's not actually what's, you know, giving people the effects of... Yeah. So for the terpenes
3: specifically, that's what it would be. So like terpenes, I would really... Like I added a little bit of this tangy terpene to the blueberry sauce to give it a little bit of citrus note to it. I added like a little bit of this lemonine uh, terpene to the dressing of the arugula that had the lobster on there. So it also gave it some lemon essence in there too. So it's just like trying to do things like that that doesn't have psychoactive effects. And then we were able to give that to everybody that was participating in the dinner. that, And we did have some non-infused people at that dinner specifically. And so it was kind of nice because it's like, oh, I'm going to invite my parents, but they're not going to have anything so they can eat while everybody else has fun. (laughs) Yeah. it's
1: like
0: Don't want to scare the parents away. (laughs) That's also really interesting, though, too. I kind of love that because there is still, you know, some stigma and people are confused. And I love that idea that, you know, those people can come and sort of dip a toe or just check it out and get kind of comfortable with the idea and not feel like, oh, well, if I'm not, you know, a big weed user, then that's not for me or it will never be for me.
2: We definitely try to make it accessible for everybody. So heavy users to people that have never smoked before in their lives. Um, And that's that's one of the things I think we try to set ourselves apart by being available for all levels. And we have a lot of people that are actually I think our clientele is a little bit older than I was expecting them to be um, as well, because. That was it's kind of like a resurgence of cannabis. Like they smoked when they were teenagers in their 20s and haven't really since then. So there's a lot of people that were experienced back in the day. Cannabis is really different nowadays and they want to get back into it. Um, and there's a lot of people that like got scared away from it from like a brownie in college and like mm-hmm. got too stoned and like didn't know what to do. Um, and so we try to make it really accessible. So it's And you can change during the dinner. If you're doing a seated dinner, we ask for dosage in the beginning, specifically what they want. And let's say they're low dose. And then some people will be like, you know, what? I want to vamp up a little bit and we want to go to higher dose and we'll switch them. Or if they're like, you know what, I've been high dose and I'm feeling good. I want no infusion for the last two courses or whatever. So we t- I'm talking to people in between every course to see how they're feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely followed your advice when I went to your 420 event. I took it low and slow because I have had that experience right. with the really potent brownie. And, you know, I freaked out and it scared me away for a while. Right. Um, but I had a great time at your event um, following the dosage advice. So I appreciated that. But I want to back up and talk about Dinner at Mary's and the process of becoming a member, um, you know, paying the fee. Can you walk us through what that what that looks like for someone?
2: Sure. Um, so we we do a very low cost membership um, and... It essentially gives us an opportunity to vet everybody that's a part of Dinner at Mary's. So um, you can essentially apply to be a member. Um, it's a $5 fee. And if you're approved, then um, you're basically on the list for getting all the invites.
1: And how many events do you think you're you're hosting?
2: Um, we try to do an event monthly um, that's a ticketed event. We're doing a lot of private catering as well. So that's kind of anytime that that happens. Um, and we try to mix it up. So sometimes it's going to be a seat at dinner. Sometimes it'll be mix and mingle. Um, but we, we're... It, it's it's a challenge to make it happen every month um so we did take a couple of months off when you know boston became a little bit more sensitive to it we will say um it, yeah it, it depends on on the venue specifications what we think makes the most sense because people do need a little bit more experience to do that mix so we'll, we'll never have liquor at our events i just think that that's probably the, smart <laughs> yeah yeah it's, we, we, we're safety is a concern so we want to make sure um, that, but, but some people come and they don't want, if they don't want to do infusion, then maybe they do want to have a glass of wine. So it really depends on, you know, what the venue allows, what we feel like is the right fit. Um, but we do definitely do infuse mocktails. So beverages are a big part of what we do. Um, but we do not mix alcohol and, and cannabis in the same glass.
1: That's right. I was definitely on the mocktail train now that I remember correctly. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, it feels We're like you're back. drinking a cocktail because yeah. people are so used
2: to having a drink in hand, the beverage experience and, um. And that's something that we've really focused on our events. We've always, we typically have three infused mocktails that are super seasonal that go with a theme and are all, you know, dosage controlled as well.
0: Nick, I'm really curious about how you got into cooking with cannabis.
3: So I would say cooking with cannabis has probably been a thing since I was maybe 19 years old. So you did um,
0: start with the brownies and the weed butter.
3: Yeah, but there was I definitely started with the brownies, but I had like I would make big batches of oil or butter or whatever it is. And then being like, hey, this is oil or butter. I'm Why am I not putting in this in fried rice in eggs and literally anything that I would eat? Green catering is what I called it. I, I want like to offer this as well as one of my own private chef things as well but like Some it people never are actually
0: vegan or gluten-free specialty right. and you're like you know
3: <laughs> but this was 12 years ago so it's it was definitely not so much and then it was funny like i've just been working as a chef and doing my own food thing for the past 10 years or so and then when i saw sam that she was doing something like this i was like hey i love cannabis you know that. <laughs> So uh, keep me in mind when you're like going forward on this and then we ended up partnering up and that's it.
2: Yeah, it worked. It worked really well because Nick and I had worked together on a couple of events, non-cannabis related. Um, and I had been doing some cannabis events prior, had kind of split from the people I was working with and was going to do my own thing and was looking for a chef. So I talked to a couple people about it and it was like not great timing. Um, you know, someone had to start a new job, things like that. So I'm like, I don't really know how to go about it. And I was like, you know, what, I'm just going to post Facebook open on my computer and like about, to, you know, trying of figure out what I'm saying. And, and I got a text from Nick and he was like, hey, if you ever need any help with Dinner Mary's, like, let me know. And I was like,
1: OK, like let's the stars oh my, let's, align. Yeah, it right? was crazy. Yeah, it was
2: really, really crazy. So we were like we had lunch like that week or, you know, the, the next day or day two. And we we're like, let's let's try an event, see how it goes. And I think our dynamic has been awesome.
0: Sam, I also, for people who are not familiar with your background and events, and really to kind of put in perspective the kind of events they're offering, can you tell us a little bit about what you do when you're not, you know, <laughs> yeah, not getting innocent. people high with food?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been in the restaurant industry for 10 years. Um, I've been doing private events Uh, I guess since 2010, and I worked primarily for restaurant groups. So I worked for a couple of restaurant groups before I started Sam Canner Events, which has just reached its six-year anniversary. Um, So we essentially partner with restaurant venues and outsource event programs. So we're doing multiple events a week, typically multiple events a day, um, at really the the best restaurants in in the city.
1: It's very similar in certain ways to, to, you know, bringing cannabis in. That's actually how I first met Sam. I planned a bridal shower for Sarah. My partner at the Food Lens and it was at Craig on Main with Sam Canner Events. Yeah. And it was a yeah, total a success. So how do you think uh, launching dinner at Mary's and running Sam Canner events, uh, do you think there's been a positive or negative effect or has it, you know, have you noticed? Um, it's
2: primarily positive and it's interesting because I do try to keep them separate and but people know so i'll have meetings with clients and i don't mention it and they're like oh well how's dinner marries and of course i'm gonna answer those questions and typically people are really supportive um it has been negative in in small doses where the stigma exists and there are you know certain clients that don't necessarily want to touch cannabis at all no matter how they feel about it um, but that's come up very very rarely for the most part I'm there, like I'm at certain events that are restaurant based, and people are asking me about the cannabis events more than anything else because um, that's what people want to talk about. That's what people want to know about. Um, and I'm hoping that the legislation will catch up so that instead of your corporate holiday wine dinner, you can do a cannabis event if you want to and really kind of merge the two um, because I think there is so much synergy between them. What are some of the biggest challenges you guys face? Venues, for one. That's the biggest challenge on my end of trying to find venues that make sense, are pro cannabis. Because there's, there's risks involved in hosting any event, right? But um, definitely with cannabis, it, it gets complicated. Um, so finding venues is, is our hardest, the hardest thing. As far as event planning, I mean, like that I feel totally confident with.
1: I totally agree. I think some people are intimidated by this whole, you know, resurgence and these dinners. Mm-hmm. But I was so pleasantly surprised when I attended 420. And I thought I was gonna maybe get too high and get scared off and it was so pleasant. I did make new friends. I had great conversations and the food started tasting better and better and better. I remember at the end I had this piece of pineapple that was soaked in um, CBD yeah, and it was the juiciest, most intense, intensely amazing pineapple <laughs> I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so everything from start to finish was just really enjoyable and chill. There was a DJ, but it wasn't like this crazy house music that gives you a headache. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, it's We you, and you really try to, to
0: create that. Maybe it's Pollyanna of me to think that legislation is going to catch up, but it just seems like the more that the public has these positive experiences, hopefully the easier it'll be for you, yeah, for hopefully. you guys. I mean, there's
2: certainly a lag as far as timing goes, but I do think that these events help with the stigma and help to show. I mean, we're not trying to create some crazy, wild, dangerous experience. Like these are high end experiences, and safety is a major concern of ours. We are really focused on safety, and people feel uncomfortable. And I think really doing these events, showing that, having the feedback from people. Um, get that I mean they it's I think it's becoming more obvious and, and even when detectives have come to our events that we're getting good feedback from them too they're not shutting them down they're happy to be out. there like I mean they're not showing yeah. <laughs> Which I've offered I'm like yeah you guys can stay hang out <laughs> um, but I mean and, and it's obvious I think to them that they know that we're doing things the way that we should be we're we're we have a catering permit like we are serve, safe certified like we are following every rule that exists um, and being really specific with our dosage and, and just being as as safe as we can. Um, and I think it's, ho- hopefully,
1: that's showing. Well, I'm so impressed. You guys are continuing to execute these these events every single month. And I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you as, as soon as legislation catches <laughs> up. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see where you are by next year. But I do want to wrap it up uh, with our rapid fire round of questions for Nick. So Nick, I would love you to name your favorite Boston Dumpling?
3: Um, gourmet Dumpling House. Dive? Uh, the Bean, but, uh, Brendan Bean Pub. Dessert? Uh, bread pudding at Eastern Standard.
1: <laughs> and lastly, date spot?
3: I haven't been on a date in a while, but I would <laughs> say Toro.
1: Katherine, have you signed up for our monthly newsletter? Molly, I'm embarrassed to say that until recently I actually hadn't. I thought I was on top of all
0: things TFL, but it turns out I was missing out, especially on the cocktail recipes that I'm now clipping
1: like a grandmother and filing away for as soon as I give birth. Well, I'm a little offended it took you this long, but every month we highlight new content, ranging from drool-worthy can't-miss dishes to neighborhood guides, cocktail recipes, upcoming events, and more.
0: And you and Sarah throw the best events. I'm waiting with bated breath to see if you do Galentine's Day again this year. I am still thinking about the charcuterie boards and the raw bar.
1: Well, now you'll be the first to know since you actually signed up. To sign up, just go to thefoodlens.com and click on the subscribe button in the upper left-hand corner. It's the best way to avoid food FOMO in Boston. This podcast was produced by Ali Pham. A special thanks to the folks at the PRX Podcast Garage. If you enjoyed what you heard, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with friends and family. Your help means so much to us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show and check out thefoodlens.com for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston.